Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. Well, it's great to be with you again, um, church. Uh, it is my church. <laughs> you know, today today we're going to do something different. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've got a TV here on the screen, okay? So if any of you are skeptical about the TV on the screen, there's a TV in your house, don't be judgy. I'm joking. <laughs> Listen, what we're going to do uh, is, is we're going to go through something. Uh, it's a small series uh, that I've entitled Lead. It's called, pra- it's called Lead, Practical Ways to lead yourself better every day. And it's something that we brought our young adults through last year. And so um, I thought it'd be great to just share one of the parts this week and possibly another part next week, amen? So I'm gonna explain to you a little bit of what, what it means, what lead means and the concepts, but let's pray first and foremost. Does that sound good? Amen. Come on, lift your hands with me, let's pray. Oh Lord, there's a TV on the, on the stage. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're the God of ages. You're the God of ages, Lord, and you're not afraid of screens. The last two years of lockdown showed us that. And so, Lord, as we begin to go through this material now, we pray that it would be a blessing. The heart here is that the material would bless and equip the saints for the purpose of ministry, that they can walk in the full joy of the gospel, the full expression of the gospel. So we just pray tonight you would help me, give me what I need to do this, Lord. Bless it. May it be a blessing to your church in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Well, the, the first thing I want to say tonight, folks, is I am not a guru. I'm not a guru or an expert on leadership, amen? I'm not, and that's not what this is tonight. What it is, is me sharing some things that the Lord showed me over the last two years of my life that have been a massive blessing to me. They have been a massive, massive blessing to me. Uh, There's a quote, uh, it goes like this, you can't get the most out of others until you get the most out of yourself. That's an interesting concept for a pastor, for a minister, for a leader. And about two years ago, the Holy Spirit started to work in my life and show me that there was a need for me to learn to lead me. How many of you know that the hardest person to lead is the person in the mirror? Amen, Michael Jackson, starting with the man in the mirror. I don't know how he, get on, how he got on in the finish, but if you haven't started this journey of leading yourself, now's a good time because you may not be a pastor or leader per se. You might be a husband. You might be a wife. You may have people under you or in your sphere of influence that need the best version of you the gospel version of you, the version of you that's yielded to the truth of the gospel, to the truth of Christ. And so for that reason, I put together some things that the Holy Spirit showed me and I showed it to the young adults. And now if you'll bear with me, I'd like to show it to you. Amen. Amen. 
let's go. So lead, uh, Jess uh, killed me downstairs because she asked me for the title and uh, just the name of the, um, the, the, the course itself is longer than all the YouTube characters uh, that they'll allow on a thumbnail. So again, for the last time, lead practical ways to lead yourself better every day. And today I want to look at stewardship. Amen? Stewardship. Say stewardship. Folks, stewardship is not a four-letter word. Amen? Oh, it got silent. Hallelujah for the gospel of grace and truth and anointing and resurrection power. Yet there's a call on the life of every believer to steward things well. And I want to look at stewardship as a concept tonight. I want to look at it tonight because I believe that there's things here that can greatly help you in your life to take care of the things God has entrusted to you. Stewardship. So this might be the only time in church that you are allowed to have gum in your mouth. Amen. Gum. Gum is an acronym for a prayer. And the prayer is God, use me. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Have you ever asked the Lord, Lord, use my life? God, use my life. Isn't it the prayer that we've all prayed? Isn't it the desire of our hearts as Christian people? That when it's all said and done, we like Paul can say that we've run the race, we've fought the fight and that there's a crown laid up for us, that our lives were significant, Jesus talks about a 30, 60, and 100-fold life, a life of impact. That's my prayer. I want that to be my legacy, that my life was more than just me living for the things that made me comfortable. I want God to use my life. Gone. A quote here by America's pastor, Rick Warren. God is looking, listen, I'm I'm using quotes by people. I'm not endorsing ministries here tonight. It's just a good quote, okay? Settle down online, settle down. It's just a quote. God is looking for people to use. Amen. That's good news, isn't it? Right? So you don't need to, uh, to sort of, you know, frill up your CV for the Lord. You don't have to pretend that you've had prior experience. God is looking for people to use. And if you can get usable, he will wear you out. Isn't that interesting? God will wear you out. The most dangerous prayer you can pray is this. God, use me. Pray it now, I dare you. <laughs> God, use me. Use me, God. This is a quote by Martin um, uh, Luther King. Use me, God. Show me how to take who I am, who I want to be, and what I can do and use it for a purpose greater than myself. Isn't that what we're talking about tonight? Something greater than me, Lord. Take whatever this is and isn't. Take the gifts and the abilities and even the inabilities and use it for something that will give you glory on the earth and there will be an impact and a harvest greater than the sum of my life by myself. God has called me, not just me, Patrick Dobbin, and you're all off the hook, us. God has called me, you, me, to be a steward. That is to take the grace that is in my life And there's three T's tonight I want to teach you. The first one is talent. The second is time. And the third is treasure. 
We all have talent, time, and treasure. Amen. We've all three of these things, and God wants us to take our three T's and sow them into people. Sow them into people. And this reflects his generous heart. Amen. God is generous. He's generous to gift and to give gifts, good gifts. James tells us that every good gift comes from above, from the Father of heavenly lights, with whom there's no turning or shifting due to change. God is a giver. Amen. He's a giver. And it glorifies him when we steward the gifts he gives us. Another quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Who can really be faithful in a great thing if he has not learned to be faithful in the things of daily life? So do you see how destiny and your future and purpose and your calling whittle down into the everyday? There's a correlation between how you deal with things in the daily that translates to your life, to your calling. Turn with me to Matthew 25. It's a very familiar parable, Matthew 25, the parable of the, ta the talents. And I'm going to read from verses 14, only through to 18. Work with me here. 14 through to 18. Okay. You ready? Let's do it. Okay. The parable of the talents. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants or bond servants and entrusted them to his property, to his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two and to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once, at once, say at once, and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of the servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents, and I've made five talents more. Say multiplication with me tonight. Wonderful. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, and I'll set you over much. Enjoy the uh, enter into the joy of your master. And he also... He who also had two talents came forward saying, Master, you uh, delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. And the same again, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little and I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, have back what is yours. I'm going to stop the reading there. It's a familiar um, parable, but I want to jump in here and I want to break some things down tonight. Is that okay? Look at a few things. Let's go. First thing we can learn from the parable is this. We all have gifts. Amen? Yeah. 
Anybody feel, ever feel like you're talentless? Okay, just me. You ever felt that way, that you've got no talent, no gift, nothing to contribute? You look around, you see gifted, talented, handsome, beautiful people, and you see yourself and sort of, you know, feel a bit depressed. You've been there, is it just me? Exactly. It's a common experience, unfortunately. But in verse 14 and 15, we see a beautiful reality. The master gifted all of his servants what was his own property. So for you and for me, you can be encouraged tonight. You can say that I have been graced. God has entrusted things to me. Amen? Gifts that belong to him. It's his gift. It's his property. And if it's his gift and his property, you can't boast and you can't coast. Right? You can't boast and you can't coast. And this is the beautiful sort of slipstream where stewardship exists between arrogance that says it's all me and coasting or laziness where we don't do um, what we ought to with what God has entrusted to us. Here's the problem, folks. It's mindset. We have been gifted. It's true. God's gifted us, all of us. Every child of God is gifted and placed in the body with a unique function. Our problem, however, is mindset. And I want to ask you tonight, do you have a five or a one talent mindset? See, there's two mindsets here in the text. The five talent mindset, straight away, the guy with the five talents takes what he has, and goes straight to the market and multiplies it, multiplies what he has. He says, I have something, I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm gonna take it, go with it, offer it. I'm saying, yes, if there's a need, I'm there. I am investing into the need what God has given me. But the one talent mindset is different. It's a not enough mindset. I don't have enough. I'm not able, I'm not as good, I'm not as talented, I'm not, and all of a sudden there's a paralysis that entered in to the one talent mind of that um, servant. Do you have a five or a one talent mindset? There's a principle, how you value or see what God has given you will dictate what you do with what God has given you. Your three, ta- your three T's, your time, your treasure, and your talent. How you value them or how you see them is as important, is the most important, it's more important than what God has actually even given you, is how you see or value it. And the difference will always come down to agreement. It's not what you've been given, but how you see what you've been given. If you can't agree that you're blessed, folks, graced, you'll never be a blessing. It's the truth. How many of us talk down, speak down on the things God has put in our lives? How many of us talk ourselves out of a good fight, folks? Because we've got the gifts, but we've got the wrong mindset. Stewardship is about mindset. Stewardship is about how you think about what you have. The famous quote from the Beatles was, uh, or one of them, was John Lennon. Uh, He said, I'm an artist. Give me a trombone, I'll get something out of it. Think about what he said. He saw himself a certain way and so therefore saw potential 
and whatever was put in his hand. Interesting. In Matthew 25, 14 and 25, he says it twice. I was afraid, so I buried it. How many of us have been there? I was afraid. I was conscious. I had the wrong mindset, so I buried it. Folks, comparison is a killer. Comparison is a killer. Am I right? Anybody know what it is? Comparison is an act of violence against the self. The fastest way to kill something is to compare it to something else. And that's something. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it true? Somebody out there want to agree with that reality. The death that comparison can bring. The servant watched the others and I think decided I'll never get a return like that. I'll never get a return like that. I'll never be as good as that person is. I'll never get that sort of out. I'll never be as successful as that person. I'll never make that kind of impact. I'll never be as good as that guy. That guy, look at him. He had, he had the pep, he had the vim, the vigor. He taught his five talents. He was straight out the door, flipping it, making it more than what it was. Look at that guy. I can never be that guy. I can't build it like that guy. I can't sell it like that guy. I don't have what he has. So why bother? So why bother? Folks, I want to tell you tonight, God never asked you to produce someone else's fruit. Amen? Ain't it true? So God never asked you to produce somebody else's fruit. There's another principle. Don't let comparison cause you to devalue the potential of what God has put in your hand. Amen? Don't do it. Stop comparing yourself with other people and agree with God. Say this part with me. I have been blessed to be a blessing. Resourced to be a resource. Gifted to be a gift. Oh, say it like you mean it. Let's go again. Oh... A slow night, slow Wednesday. Let's try again. I've been blessed to be a blessing. Resource to be a resource. Gifted to be a gift. Amen. When you disagree with the purposes of God for the grace that is on your life, you are burying someone's blessing. What God had intended to be a blessing to others, you have called not enough, or you have let others call not enough and you've buried it in the ground. I'm gonna read that again. You are burying someone's blessing. Burying someone's blessing. The devil wants you to devalue what you have so that you will never sow it. The devil destroys things when they are at their most vulnerable in seed form. I wonder how many futures the enemy has tried to sabotage in this room by pushing you into comparison, by killing the potential, killing what God has given you uniquely and called you to multiply. God has killed stewardship in some lives in this room by making you look at other people. Instead of running your race and moving at the pace of grace, 
you're looking at so-and-so and where they're at and their gifts and their abilities and whatever yield is in their life or the other or whatever and it's paralyzed you seed form flowers <laughs> can anyone tell me what kind of flowers that they are anybody yes these are orchids they're orchids my wife isn't here tonight I can't remember after eight years and five years of marriage what her favorite flowers are it's bad isn't it I'm going to go home tonight and the door the locks are going to be changed and all that kind of thing but I, I, I want to say orchids <laughs> but anyway there's a reason why I'm showing you orchids tonight orchids are the largest of all flowering plants they're the largest of, of, all, of all the flowering plant family. But check this out. What's more is they also hold the world record for having the smallest seeds of all flowering plants. Get what I'm saying right now? The biggest flowering plant, the smallest seed. Hmm. This is a terrible picture, but what it's supposed to be is a picture of a, of, a, of a coin, right? It's a one cent, an American one cent. And that they are orchid seeds, the white things. That's how small they are. Some orchid, orchid seeds are one three hundredth, I think, of a millimeter. They're like, they're like a, a tenth of the head of a pin. That's tiny. That's tiny. Yet, when they're planted, they are the biggest of all flowering plants. I have another principle for you tonight, and it's this. Don't judge the size of your future based on the size, size of the talent or seed that's in your hand. Hear what I'm saying? Just because one person has a five-talent endowment and another person has a two or a one, don't compare things in seed form. You don't know. Don't compare things in seed form. Amy Carmichael, just one woman on her way out to India. Hudson Taylor, just one man on his way out to China. What might you do if you took your three T's and said, Lord, if I sow them instead of bury them, plant them instead of bury them, what might you do with my life? I won't lie to you. I was supposed to put a Bible verse there and I forgot, but I know what it is. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians. Maybe some of you already know the verse I'm going to read. 1 Corinthians 1.26 For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you are wise according to worldly standards. That's a small seed. Not many were powerful. Not many were noble or of noble birth. But God chose what was foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being may boast in the presence of God. And there's another principle tonight, and it's this. He is the God of multiplication. He loves to take tiny seeds, the inconsequential things, and turn them into massive, God-glorifying futures. Exodus chapter 4. It's a familiar passage. Moses has spent 40 years as a fugitive in the desert. 
He's run from the house of Pharaoh. He killed an Egyptian, ran a taskmaster and ran, fearing that he would be discovered and spent the next 40 years tending to his father-in-law Jethro's sheep on the foothills of Midian. That's what he did. And a bit of context as well. In that time, if a man didn't own his own sheep or flock, he was particularly poor. So when the scriptures say that Moses uh, was taking care of his father-in-law's sheep, it showed that he wasn't a man of means by any stretch either. And in Exodus 4.2, Moses has encountered a burning bush. The angel of the Lord, the scripture says, appeared in the burning bush and Moses encounters God in a bush and begins to speak to the Lord. And the Lord asks him this, What is in your hand, Moses? Was it just a staff? Was it just a staff? Were those just his father-in-law's sheep? Do you remember 1 Samuel 17, when Eliab raged at David that he came down to see what was going on in the valley of Elah with Goliath? And he said, what are you doing down here? Who's out watching those few sheep, David? Is it just a staff in Moses' hand? Listen, principle, the seeds of your calling are already in your life. Amen? Already. What is in your hand? Moses had a simple staff that he used to take care of his father's sheep. What did the Lord do with Moses? He took the same simple staff to take care of his sheep, his father's sheep. God just, just magnified what Moses was already doing. He just magnified the ministry. When God took David from the pasture to the palace, he just magnified his ministry. He was already taking care of his father's sheep. David, you were a good shepherd in the pasture. So I'm gonna put you in the palace to watch over my sheep, the sheep of my pasture. Moses, you were you spent 40 years taking care of somebody else's sheep, someone else's belongings. And I, I'm going I'm to take you and use you to take care of my sheep and lead them through the desert because you're perfect. You're perfect for the job. You're perfect. You know what it is to lead sheep through a desert. So I'm going to use you. What's in your hand? What is in your hand? God doesn't deliver futures and destinies fully formed to your doorstep. You grow into what's next. Stewardship is the key to growth. Stewardship is the key to what's next. You grow into it. You already have it. And I love this picture. It's so many different seeds. No set of seeds are the same. Amen. You already have it. Your future, your calling, your ministry, it's already in your life. Those few children you take care of downstairs on a Sunday morning. Those few things, you know, I, I, I didn't plan to tell the story, but the best person I can think of right now is Philip Icarusi. Philip was an ambassador from day one, amen. Anyone who doesn't know Philip's story, Philip went and uh, is now uh, the Nigerian ambassador, uh, ambassador in, in uh, Argentina, But anyone who knows Philip knows he was an ambassador when he worked in Tesco. He was an ambassador when he cleaned this building. 
God knows how to elevate once the heart is there. Once someone cultivates what's in their life, God can magnify what's in their life. Exodus 3, throw it on the ground, Moses. Throw it on the ground. And this is a principle, it's important. There's a difference. Plant it, don't bury it. Plant it, don't bury it. Take what's ordinary and cast it on the ground. Here's another thought. If it stays in my hands, it stays the same. If it stays in my hands, it stays the same. But God, if I cast it down, if I put it in your hand, it becomes something that, it becomes miraculous. You take the ordinary and you make it miraculous. You take the things that I've called ordinary and you make the miracle working signs to a fallen world. That staff split the Red Sea. That staff uh, uh, confounded Pharaoh's courts. And the ordinary things in your life, if you steward them well, will be significant for the kingdom of God. But if it stays in your hand, it just stays a staff. If that seed stays in your hand, it just stays a seed. God wants us to have this multiplication mentality, this stewardship mentality, that we don't leave our time and talent and treasure in our own hands, in our own lives, but we throw it down. We sow the seeds of our future. There is a difference between planting and burying. So say yes, folks. That's what I'm trying to say. Say yes. When the opportunity comes, when the need presents itself, well, I'm not as good as this person. They didn't ask that person. I'm not as good as that person. They didn't ask that person either. The call has come to you. God will equip those who make themselves available to the call. Those who say, whatever he's given me, it's enough in his hands to work miracles and render salvation in my generation through my life. Plant it, don't bury it. My three T's belong to the Lord and they're on loan to me and they're intended for somebody else. Amen? Amen. They're his, they're on loan to me and the intention is that they are for somebody else's. God help me not to bury another person's blessing. You may not think much of that voice, but somebody else might. You might not think much of that gift or ability, but it might be the very thing God would use in the life of somebody else. Don't bury somebody else's blessing. Principle, big things start small. So steward it, cultivate it, tend to it, care for it, honor it, be faithful to it. Dress for the job you want next and the job you're in now. Amen. John 6, coming to a close here. I want to talk about a little boy and his lunch. A little boy and his lunch. And I want to use this passage from John chapter 6. It's the feeding of the 5,000. It's a well-known passage. It's a miracle recorded in every gospel. Amen. The context, briefly, Jesus finds out that John the Baptist has been murdered and he withdraws to a quiet place near Bethsaida. And the people follow him on foot and he has compassion on them there and he heals them because he's a healer, because he's full of compassion and mercy and grace. And then when it's time to feed them, he's not willing to let them go. Instead, there's an opportunity for him to demonstrate his power over the physical realm. And so he takes five loaves and two fish and feeds what could have been 20,000 people. 
What I love is that there's more leftovers than the, the initial investment. After the miracle's done, there's more. But I want to look practically here. We don't have time to read the passage, but I'm sure you've read it before. I just gave you the gist there, spoiler alert. I want to look at three habits of a good steward. I want to get really practical just as we, we shut this down. Three habits of a good steward. Now, the first one is this. When we read the passage, particularly in Mark, Mark's gospel, Mark 6, I think it's verse 37, we find out that the boy has five loaves and two fish and he presents it to the disciples who are quibbling about the problem. The disciples were problem-orientated people. All they saw was, oh, it was a day's journey to the next village where they'll have to go and buy food. What, how are we going to fix this problem? How are we going to meet the need? We don't have enough. In other words, the disciples had a one-talent mentality, right? But this little boy, I'm using some divine conjecture tonight, he didn't speak negatively about what God had given him. The reason why I believe that that's true is that if he did, or if he shared the opinions of the disciples, he would have never offered his lunch. Never. There must have been something different in this young man. Something different. He didn't seem to be aware of the problem in the way the disciples were. He didn't speak negatively about what God had given him, and he wasn't problem-centered like the disciples. Are you problem-centered? When you see a need, is it all about how little you have? Is it all about what you're not able? Are you already talking yourself out of the fight? Are you talking faith out of the room? The next thing, he didn't agree with the other people's opinions of his seed or his talent. The scriptures say in John's gospel that the disciples, I think it was Philip, he said, all we have are five loaves and two fish, but what is that for so many? So that's somebody else's negative opinion on what the little boy wanted to offer to Jesus in faith. So one person responds to the need with a meager gift and there's opinions flying left, right and center. Who does he think he is getting up there? Should I be better than him? I do that better than him. Maybe he think he is. Do you know, usually those people aren't doing anything at all, but you know, did you ever hear that saying? You only ever criticized by people who aren't doing as much as you, <laughs> right? But the criticism starts flying. But he didn't agree. The young boy didn't go, do you know what? You're right. I'm crazy. What was I thinking? This meager offering to meet a massive need. You're right. I'll just go and enjoy my tuna fish sandwiches on my own. You're totally right crazy to think that God could do something with me, through me, with what he's given me. He didn't move that way and we shouldn't either. Then the last thing is this, he didn't bury it, but he offered it up in faith. He saw the potential of it in the hands of Christ. He saw the potential to meet the, the need of the multitude. That, these are three realities and I want to really bring them home right now. By God's grace, folks, you, me, all of us, through the power of the Spirit within us, we will speak life. We're going to speak life. We're going to shift our focus off of the problem and our inadequacy by speaking differently. By speaking differently. Let me go to my notes here because I've got some stuff here. Listen, 
It's not what you have, but what he can do with what you have. It's your perspective that is limiting your potential. Verbalizing your unbelief is locking you into a perspective. I can't, I'm not enough, I won't, it won't work, all that kind of thing. Stop telling God it won't stretch. Amen? Stop telling God it won't stretch and start thanking him. Amen? Start thanking him. Shifting your focus begins by shifting your vocabulary. This can start now. I will not speak death over what God has given me to bring life. I will not do it. I will not talk myself out of another fight. The next time somebody asks, I'm saying yes. Number two, by his grace, I'm going to put that gift into the hand of Jesus, regardless of other people's opinions. I am not going to, by the grace of the Almighty, I am not going to listen to the opinions of others. Can I tell you about a prayer that I'm praying? I pray it every day. It's simple. You should try it. It goes like this. Lord Jesus, help me to see myself the way you see me. Help me to see others the way you see them. And help me to see you the way you are. I pray that every day. Jesus, change my thinking. Change my thinking. Free me from the opinions of other people so I can just be what you've made me to be and impact who you've called me to impact. Last thing is rest. The Bible says Jesus told everyone to sit down. Sit down. It's in my hands now. It's in my hands now. God does the growing. Yours is to show up and offer up. And he does the growing. Jesus blesses every offering of our time, treasure, and talent. He is thankful for every gift offered up to him. Isn't that wonderful? The scriptures say he blessed it up the bread to the source, the giver of good gifts. He's thankful for every gift offered up to him. The devil will do everything he can to keep the seed in your hand. But Jesus will always bless what you and those around you would have buried. He'll always bless it. He'll always bless it. If you can get beyond you and beyond the opinions of those around you and trust him with what he's given you, he'll bless it. He'll bless it. If our prayer is, dear God, please use me to be of service then that is what we will be. And it is not for us to judge either the size or the value of our gifts. Our job is to try and get out of the way. Try and get out of the way. To defer to the spirit moving within us and become open channels for the flow of God's love. The boy's name was never recorded, but his faith was and his offering was. And, what he and, the, and the things he chose to put in the hands of Jesus, that's what was recorded. The legacy, the people who were blessed through his offering, that was recorded. But his name was never recorded. That's the danger of praying, God, use me. That's the danger. Because it might mean that he does, but your name is left out of the linear notes. Will you pray with me tonight? Amen. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you tonight, Lord.
I want to thank you because you have been good to us. You have gifted each and every one of your children, Lord. And yet so many of us have been paralyzed by comparison. Lord, we have not valued or esteemed the things that you've given us. And we've buried what you intended to be a blessing in the lives of other people. I can't help but think, Lord, of, of uh, the story of the preacher who was so heavily criticized that he just stopped preaching for a season. And he went to a hospital and met a woman who was critically ill. She'd gone through so many awful things, Lord. And, and she said, please keep preaching. You're not doing it for them, the people who are criticizing you. You're doing it for us. You're doing it for us, the broken people who need hope. Help us to see who this is for, Lord. Help us to trust you, to get beyond ourselves every day, to not speak negatively about ourselves. Lord, to not take on board the opinions of people who probably aren't even doing what we're doing, who weren't asked or called or assigned with what we have been called to. And help us just take it and give it to you and give us the grace to rest. Thank you, Lord, that the future is already in our lives. If we would just trust you, if we just trust you, if we just trust you and throw it down, you can take the ordinary and make it miraculous. Amen. Praise the Lord. Pass Stephen. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.